When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. Alejandro Moreno and Kay Maria here in the studio. We're going to look back on all the FA Cup action, namely the big game between Manchester City and Chelsea today, which finished 4-0 to Man City. And if they were made to work for their win against Chelsea in the Premier League this week, they had no such problems today. Riyad Mahrez stuck twice for the side. Julian Alvarez also scored from the spot. And Phil Foden put the finish on a very nice team move for the team. Man City will now face the winner of Oxford against Arsenal. Chelsea's poor run continues. In fact, there's been a lot of criticism for Graham Potter after the game. Our own Mark Ogden said he isn't a big coach. So let's welcome in our panel to see what they think. Craig Burley and Stuart Robson. Craig, what do you think of that? Is Potter a big coach? Uh, well, he's not a big name. Uh, but, you know, he did take... He took a very small club in Scandinavia up four divisions and into Europe. You know, he did coach Brighton Swansea pretty well. He hasn't got the, the, the big resume of some of the others, I'll give you that. And I think that's part of the issue that he's fighting as well as results. Uh, but I think... The guy knows what he's doing. He, he, I think he's just he's, he's lost his way. Now, whether the job's too big for him or not, we're going to find out very soon. I've been reading some stuff tonight before coming on, Kay, about he was after guarantees that there wasn't going to be a knee-jerk reaction to bad results and that there was this long-term vision that the guys just talked about there. But he is going to have to get some results, clearly, and at the moment they're not, they're not getting any. Uh, Fulham coming up who are playing great. Uh, so this can't continue. I, I didn't like his team selection. Uh, Frank and I talked about that earlier on the live show. I didn't like the fact he played a couple of kids basically in the back four, away at Man City, uh, who are pretty decent, people may have noticed. And it basically just said, it just smacked to me of saying, nah, we don't really have much chance of getting anything out of this game. And I, and, I'd loved, and I do admire him as a coach, and I have done for a while, but I did... I did enjoy the comment that said we didn't affect their back line in the first half the way we wanted to. And I'm thinking, how's about you didn't affect it at all? Not even one effort at goal. Not one scantily scuffed shot from 25, 30 yards. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So at the end of the day, we're in a results business and we can talk about time all we want, but he needs to get some results. That's the bottom line. Robbo, do you agree with Craig that he got his lineup wrong today? Absolutely. And the lineup you just put on there was wrong because Chalabal was playing at right back and Humphreys was playing at centre half. And they played three in midfield. And I was talking throughout the commentary about how they got his tactics wrong in terms of trying to stop Man at Manchester City playing. Because he played Havertz up front and he played Mount and Ziesch almost in an inside right, inside left position. And they couldn't press the ball because Manchester City could pass it out to their fullbacks at will. And then the three midfield players, Kovacic had to try and get out to Walker and Mares, and it was too far for him to travel. Gallagher had to do on the same on the other side of the field. 
And I thought after 20 minutes, he's going to change this. That was, that was key to the game. And he didn't change it at all. And it caused them all sorts of problems. And, and every time they tried to press the ball, in the end, Mount and Ziyech said, we can't press the ball. We're not going to bother pressing the ball because they've got an easy ball out to the fullbacks. And it caused, you know, it, it, was, it was terrible. And Craig's right. They had players on the bench that if you're looking for results, they should have played. Thiago Silva, whether he's limping around or whether he's good, he can still play in the game. Kukurea could have still played. They had players on the bench that were better than putting youngsters into the side who were up against it. You know, it's, it's a really tough game for Humphreys to make his debut as a centre-half. He's playing against the World Cup winner, and it could have been Haaland coming on at any point. And you put him in at centre-half with Koulibaly, and you've got Chalaba inexperienced on the right-hand side as well. We saw that when, uh, when uh, the Palmer made the run right through in the first 20, 20, uh, 15, 20 minutes. So there was all sorts of things that were wrong with his formation. Jorginho didn't work hard enough, the defensive side of the game. He didn't get on the ball and make things happen. And they also tried to play out from the back in the left-hand side of the pitch when they couldn't do so. It kept on going to Hall. He played it back to Koulibaly. Koulibaly played it back to the goalkeeper. Why couldn't they go that little bit longer? They got the tactics all wrong and they didn't change it until it was too late. <laughs> If he really wanted Robbo to give Thiago Silva a rest, and I kind of understand that to a certain extent, he, he could have played Aspilicueta at right back, he could have played Cucurella instead yep. of playing kids, he could have played Chalabat centre back, mm-hmm. so at least he had some experience in there. The switch of play, particularly in the first half, the switch of play was the ball that was going to kill them all day, because as you said, you know, you had Georginia just sitting in there, but you had. Uh, you had Kovacic and you had Gallagher who didn't know if they had to be narrow in midfield mm. or running out to the fullbacks. I mean, it, it, it was quite scary. And when Koulibaly was getting, he actually hit a couple of decent balls, long balls, but there was more luck than judgment because the ball was rolled mm. back to him and he basically just smacked it forward. And, you know, look, at the end of the day, you, I, I don't understand how you go to Manchester City and you think... I know you've got Fulham coming up and I know you need results and I get all that, but the FA Cup's quite important as well mm. and it's a big game and you go up there and you basically hang a couple of youngsters out to dry. I just, I just didn't, I didn't, didn't understand that. Frank, what do you think of it all? Because on one hand, obviously, it's not going well for Potter. The guys are just highlighting all the problems he had. But then in the last game against Man City, we saw that when they're already struggling with the absences, Sterling and Pulisic go down. Can you make a defence for Potter? Sorry, Stuart, I'll put that to you. Frank's just disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, yeah, there is, a, there is a, a slight excuse, but he has got lots of injuries, and that's not good. You know, Rhys James is a great wing-back, and we know he's a, a top-class player. They'd like to have Chilwell back in the side. You'd like Conte to be playing, but you've got to make the most of what you've got. It's difficult times for him, and that's why today I felt, felt as though he had to get a result and put in a good performance and play the strongest team he possibly could. And I don't think he played the strongest team and he got the tactics wrong as well. And if you do that, you're going to struggle, particularly against a team like Manchester City. And there probably wasn't enough fight. I looked at the body language of the players and sometimes it looks as though they're not trying, but they're looking across thinking the shape of the team's all wrong. We're not quite sure what we should be doing. So I'm not going to go and close down because I'm going to be played around too easily. So he has to take a lot of blame for this performance. Frank's so upset he's mm. disappeared, yeah. by the way. He, he doesn't want to put a defense up for anybody. Can, can you offer anything? Uh, well, I, I will say that Grand Potter cannot account for Kai Havertz deciding to commit one of the most ridiculous handballs you could ever commit inside the 18-yard box. It, it, the level of dumb in this particular play is egregious. 
However, when you talk about a team that is short on talent because of the injuries, at the very least, what you want to see from the group is fight, is commitment, some sort of character, some sort of willingness to close down spaces and get tied to people. And at the very least, you know what? We are going to be tough to beat. In the end, we may be short on talent. We may be short because we are just unable to cover down all the spaces, but we're going to fight. And we're going to make it so very difficult for Manchester City and frustrate Manchester City. That was not the case. It was a training session after 20 minutes by Manchester City. And so you think about what the second half was. It was no more than indeed a training session. We're just passing the ball around and Chelsea were just happy to just see the ball being passed around. That, I think, is something that you can certainly point a finger at Grant Potter and say, look, I understand that these guys are not available. But the fight of the team, the mindset, the character of the group, the willingness to make it difficult for Manchester City and at the very least make it challenging, that is an attitude thing. And that is something that reflects poorly on the players, but certainly reflects very poorly on Grant Potter himself. Craig, what can actually be done in this transfer window right now to help turn things around for Chelsea? Obviously, they've already spent a lot of money. It's already a big squad. What can they do? Well, as Augie said, uh, they have brought in some recruitment specialists. Uh, and so how much input he is going to get remains to be seen. Uh, January is predominantly a difficult time to get real quality. Because the real quality is playing, uh, and I know Enzo Fernandez, his name has been mentioned, but he's playing at a Champions League club, and that's usually more difficult, hence the, the fee and the, the buyout clause to get these guys away. And they have spent big already, as, as you said, and you can see from the graphics. So it, it's difficult to know what kind of strategy they're going to use this January, if any. Uh, let me tell you about the long-term approach-ish of this consortium so far. Scattergun approach to buying players. One guy who wasn't there today, Abamian, who came off the bench on Thursday and then was taken off because he was so bad, didn't finish the game, was not in Manchester today and we don't believe he was injured, was brought in by the previous manager, Thomas Tuchel, because they were desperate. So Todd Bowley let him do that, then sacked Thomas Tuchel not too long after leaving Graham Potter with another guy who really is just picking up a wage and is not going to bail him out when he's in his most needed time. So that's not exactly telling you there's a cohesive strategy going forward in terms of transfers. It's a worrying time at this club. What can he do immediately then, Stuart, with Fulham coming up to turn things around? Well, first of all, he's got to pick his best team and he's got to make sure he sticks with a tactic and gets the players on side with what they're trying to do because at the moment, they go from game to game and of course he's got injuries, but it doesn't mean to say you have to change all the tactics, you just fit players in. And at the moment, I don't think the players quite know what they should be doing. I think uh, you know they're not quite sure of the shape, they're not quite sure exactly what the manager's expecting for them. They're not getting too much guidance from the side of the field while the game's going on, which you sometimes need. And I go to, to, to Graham Potter again, I always say when you're losing, that's when a manager has to come to the side of the field and he's got to start directing operations. He's got to show not passion, but some understanding that I've got to get after the team. I've got to make them do this. I've got to make them close the ball down. 
it's all very well doing all that when you're winning, which lots of managers do. And then when they start losing and they get in a bit of stick, they go and sit back down. So he's got to front up right from the start and make sure he's out on the side of the field trying to dictate the play. And then people might look at him and say, he's, at least he's trying to do something. So let's, let's bring what Potter sees his future as back up then, Craig, because this is what he says about his role at Chelsea. He says there's completely different ownership than there was. This is hard for people to get their heads around because Chelsea for 20 years has been one thing and now all of a sudden it's different. The reason for me to take the job was because you've got a chance to shape a club that is in a massive transitional period. There's a sense of reassurance there, it seems, from Graham Potter, Craig. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. Until until results continue to take a downward spiral, and fans turn, and they already have started, and everybody knows when the fans turn, the manager gets it, the players get it, and then ownership gets it, directors get it, the suits as we call them, and when they're getting it, they have to look for a scapegoat, and guess what? The scapegoat is the manager. So he has to buy himself. Ownership change is fine. You know, we don't know exactly what the strategy is. We know they've still continued to splurge money, the same as the previous ownership. But we don't know what the hiring firing strategy is. What we do know is if results continue in this manner, Todd Bowley will have to make a decision. There is no, there is no, there's no doubt about it. There is no painting this bright future for the next 18 months, 24 months, if they can continue to hurtle down this Premier League, right? One win in eight, I believe it is. I mean, it's just not acceptable. And we can talk about long-term visions and we can talk about transfer strategy, but you have to buy yourself enough results to keep yourself in the job. Because when those fans really turn... When they really turn and Bowley's sitting at Stamford Bridge in his premium seat and they're all turning round and they're hammering them and they're hammering 90 minutes the manager, him, the ownership, the strategy. Trust me, he will make a, they will make a decision. He will make a decision. Their heads never roll, Kay, because they own the football club. Players' heads don't roll because they have long-term contracts and they are assets. The only head that always rolls when results cannot be turned around is the manager. So Graham Potter, and I like him, and I think he's got a lot of people who respect him in the mm. game for what he's done, but he's going to have to, as Robbo said, get players out there that buy him enough time to get the fit guys back and turn this big ship around. By contrast, Pep Guardiola should be sleeping well tonight. It doesn't mm. seem to matter which players he uses. It turns out all right for him. Well, yes, but they're not playing by themselves out on the field. And so we just established that Chelsea were very poor. Regardless, when you look at the depth of Manchester City and some of the things that they did today and passing sequences and movement with the ball and movement without the ball, things that they haven't done regularly over the last few games, they did today. Now, it was easier to do because obviously Chelsea were having difficulties covering the spaces, but the sequence of the third goal for Phil Foden and the timing of the run and movement without the ball by Kyle Walker and then the drop-off from Foden in finding a space in the near post, opening up his body and finding the finish, that is what you want to see from Manchester City. And again, we really haven't seen a lot of that lately, 
But if this is a start of what could potentially be the second half, a dominant second half of the season for Manchester City, it's good things to see from a team that is very talented. Whether it's the A team, B team, C team, whatever team they put out there, there's a lot of talent available. Yeah, and all eyes on that game between Oxford and Arsenal tomorrow because mm. then we'll find out who they will be facing next in cup competition. We thank Craig Burley for joining us. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Barcelona beat Atleti at home with a 1-0 win. Usman Dembele scoring the only goal of the game after some lovely work from Pedri. There was some passionate moment at the end when Stefan Savic and Ferran Torres got into things. A red card was given for each player, but the win does mean that Barcelona take all three points from this clash and they also take a three-point lead on Real Madrid at the top of the table after the Madridistas fell to Villarreal yesterday in what was also a feisty game. Things could be interesting from here. Stuart Robson, you were watching the game for us. What did you make of it? Well, for certain periods, Atletico Madrid played at a high tempo. Their closing down was much better. I thought they might drop that a little bit deeper, allow Barcelona to play and then play on the counter-attack. But it wasn't the case. I thought Atleti played some good football, but without creating any real chances, apart from the header you saw uh, from Jimenez and the, the chance uh, late on for, for Griezmann. And I thought Barcelona showed they have a dogged side to their game. Gavi and Pedri worked so hard to win the ball back. De Jong was disappointed, but as Ali just said, Araujo, not just the clearance off the line, his whole performance from the start of the game to the end of the game was absolutely outstanding. They didn't have it all their own way. They didn't play the perfect football. And Dembele was quite often their, uh, their, their player that was furthest up the pitch, as he was when he scored his goal. And he was the out ball at times. And they went long. But I thought it was a good doggy performance and a very good game. And Atleti played their part in it. Did Barcelona send out a message today to Real Madrid? Mm. I think what they showed today was an element of toughness that we don't always see with Barcelona. This game for the first 20, 25 minutes or so, it was all Barcelona all the time. They were keeping the possession of Atletico Madrid very passive, very late to come and challenge, and Barcelona took advantage of that. When Atletico Madrid then decided to get their lines forward, Barcelona were rattled a little bit, and the possession wasn't quite there, and it wasn't as clean as they wanted it to be or had been earlier in the game. So guess what? 
It was time to fight. It was time to defend. It was time to win challenges and waste time and see the game out. And it almost felt like, yes, Barcelona in the end looking like Atletico Madrid. All school Atletico Madrid. But that's what the game called for because it wasn't clean for Barcelona because the possession wasn't comfortable. And while Pedri was very good in the second half in trying to have those long periods of possession, kind of relieve some pressure, they didn't really do anything with that possession, which then allowed Atletico Madrid to try to get back into the game. Atletico Madrid gets back into this game because it's almost as if they need to feel like the world is against them for them to say, all right, now we're going to react. But when they reacted, Barcelona was good enough to show some toughness. So to answer your question, the element of toughness and character that Barcelona showed today, or they showed away against Osasuna when they were a man down, those are the things that in the end may just put Barcelona over the top and may just allow them to win this title. And did we see some of that toughness that we're talking about here in the goal for Barcelona? Well, we didn't see it from Atletico Madrid. <laughs> didn't, didn't, definitely not. <laughs> there was no toughness here. Now, Atletico Madrid started off waiting for Barcelona and being passive and putting numbers behind the ball. And if you're going to do that, then you have to close down spaces. So there is no excuse for Pedri to be allowed to split Barrios and Coque and Griezmann and then for him to be allowed to run as long as he was with the ball. Strength from Gabi, finish from Dembele. This is the part that I thought was disappointing from Atletico Madrid's perspective. If you're going to wait, if you're going to go on the counter, in the moments that you are forcing Barcelona into a tight space, then you got to close down those spaces and you got to win possession of the ball back. You didn't see that from Atletico Madrid. Barcelona took advantage of that early on. Do you agree with that, Stuart, on an Atleti's approach? Absolutely. The first 20 minutes, they were, they were passive. And if you are going to be passive for that first 20 minutes, when the ball does come into your defending third, that's when you have to be tighter. That's why you're being compact. And that's when you have to get close and close people down. And Pedri, it's good skill. And he sees the space and he runs past a couple of players. So it wasn't good defending. And Renil, though, tried to win the ball in front of Gavi. And Gavi shows good strength. That was the determination, the, the dogged spirit that we'd seen from Barcelona throughout the game. And a good finish from Dembele, which you don't always expect. But I thought overall, uh, when... when after that first 20, 25 minutes, Atleti were a much better side. And why don't they play more like that week in, week out? We saw it, I think it was against Elche, uh, well, it's a poor Elche side, where they were on the front foot, and you saw their front three on that occasion linking up well with each other. But it takes them 25, 20 minutes to get going until they went 1-0 down to start playing a high-tempo game, start pressing the ball higher up the field, start creating chances, start getting balls into the box. Why did they wait so long? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Mm. Because Xavi has said he wants them to be more clinical. He wants them to take opportunities when they present themselves. Mm. They presented themselves many a time tonight and they didn't take them as often as they maybe should have. Because of the good start that Barcelona had and the nurse or passive or whatever you want to say and describe about Atletico Madrid's performance, now Pedri is presented with an opportunity, which at that time was the worst moment for Atletico Madrid. You put this away, it's 2 nothing, and I don't care how much you want to fight if you're Atletico Madrid, you just don't have the sense of self-belief to really get back into this game. So I think this is what Xavi is sort of getting to in that, look, we're doing a lot of good things, but when the opportunities are there, let's put the game away. This became a far more challenging game than it needed to be for Barcelona when they were in full control in the first 20 minutes. And it's something that we address in the pregame in that they have moments in which they look like a world-class team. And then their drop-off is very steep. The difference today is that while there was a drop-off, at the very least, they were fighting to get into spaces to defend. And they show 
some defensive responsibilities that we haven't seen before. And so today it was more about that toughness that we just mentioned, a dogged effort, if you will. This is the way that Stewie has, uh, has described it. And I think in the, uh, when you think about a play that kind of tells you what the story of the game was, it is the save from Ronald Araujo. Again, Barcelona struggling to defend and struggling to keep the spaces to close down the areas. But even having done all of that, they're able to make the save off the line and get what I think is a big result for Barcelona, not for the three points. The three points is one thing, but it's what it sets them up to do from here on out. In that, look, we're usually a team that likes to pass the ball around. We're usually a team that likes to be comfortable with the possession and creating opportunities. And we got Lewandowski playing up top and he's going to score a bunch of goals for us. Well, this game didn't have any of that after the first 20 minutes. It called for something different. And today, Barcelona were able to answer the call defensively. And I don't know when was the last time that I said that about this team, that defensively they showed enough for them to see out the game. And tensions definitely spilled yeah. over, as we saw in the later stages, Stuart, between Savic and Ferran Torres. What did you make of that moment? Well, both players are a bit silly. I mean, uh, Savic is always on the edge, isn't he? Uh, I don't see it quite so often from Ferran Torres. But once they start grabbing hold of each other around the neck and having a little fight on the floor, it was always going to be a red card for both players. And it showed the intensity, the sort of the way the game was really finely balanced at the end of the game. And there was a bit of, uh, uh, yeah, both players had to go. It was just poor, poor uh, dis discipline from, from Savic in particular, but also Ferran Torres. Does this bode well for the title race? Well, of course it does, because coming into this weekend, if if we had had and we had the conversation as to how it set up La Liga and what the potential would be after Sunday, we would have said, you know, it's more than likely that we're going to see Real Madrid in first place and Barcelona not getting a result away against Atletico Madrid. In fact, we saw the opposite, that Real Madrid falter against Villarreal and really never held control of that game, allow Villarreal to just buzz everything about that game and really take control of the intensity, the pace with which that game was played. And Barcelona today, knowing full well what had happened to Real Madrid, was tested. And was tested not in the way that they feel most comfortable and were able to get the result. Three points that I think very valuable for Barcelona. This is... This is not the last that we're going to see in this title race of coming back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Because while there are a lot of good things about both teams, both teams also have vulnerabilities. And so there will be many of opportunities here for Real Madrid to get back into this race. But in order for them to do that, they have to play a whole lot better. And their attitude has to be a whole lot better than it was against Villarreal. Stuart, what can Atleti take from today's game? And I'm interested to know what you thought of João Felix in the match today. Uh, he was playing sort of a second striker alongside Griezmann in that first uh, half of the game, and maybe the first 50, 60 minutes. Then they brought uh, Maratta on and he went to the, to, he played in the most, a similar sort of position. Uh, he flipped in and out the game. We know he's got great talent, but he didn't make, always make the right decisions. He didn't link up with Griezmann as much as they would have hoped him to do. Uh, so, yeah, he wasn't the player that you would expect him to be. He, he, he can be an outstanding player. We saw that against Elche. We saw that in the World Cup when he came on and, and played for Portugal brilliantly. For Atleti's, from Atleti's point of view, 
I said it just a little while ago. Why don't they start games as they finish and as they played for most of the second half where they're pressing high up the field, when they're making it difficult for the opposition, they're, they're winning the ball back in good areas so they can create chances. They play at a higher tempo. They get crosses into the box. They look threatening. They look aggressive, but in a more attacking situation rather than backing off and backing off and only playing on the counter-attack. If they could do that more often, they would be a far greater team. I'm sure about that. This is the sort of game that drives... Diego Simeone crazy about Joao Felix because he is so hot and cold. And because sometimes, whether you want to evaluate a player on his body language or not, he loses the ball and there's no reaction. There is, there is a slow jog back or there's a walk back. And I have to imagine that that just goes against everything that Diego Simeone believes in. And so Joao Felix is a guy that when he's scoring goals, and he's creating chances and he's participating in the play. He looks like that player that Stewie was just referencing. But when a game calls for something different and a little bit of toughness and a little bit of fight and he's not quite feeling it, he quite easily kind of plays in the background. And if you're going to be a big name and a big talented player that we think he is, he has to be willing to play in the foreground all the time. He's too hot and cold for Diego Simeone, and that's why this relationship just doesn't work. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. We are going back to our feature match today. It was Atleti against Barcelona, as I just mentioned, and likened myself to them. <laughs> they did lose this game today. Here is Xavi speaking to Sidlow after it. Xavi, I'm not entirely sure how to translate Puñetazo en la Mesa into English, but was, <laughs> was, was today a statement result, even if not a statement performance? from your point of view was it the kind of performance that, that gives you something really important yes very important for us it was a equal game I think uh, in the first half we we did really well we create chances in the first uh, 30 minutes uh, then we suffer we suffer it's a difficult stadium uh, they press high very well uh, we didn't release this, this high pressure we suffer and sometimes we have to suffer it's La Liga it's very difficult to win games especially in this in this stadium Metropolitano no? they they prepare really well the, the second half, we suffer, but we defend really well. We just uh, concede uh, six goals 
in uh, 16 games uh, this season and, and, and we are defending so well. Uh, we need to play uh, better like in the first half, but we understood really well in the first 30 minutes because uh, we had the superiority inside. Uh, that's why we, we create the, the, the goal that we score and uh, at the end we, we won for this goal. So happy and satisfied, but we need to we need to keep going and, and continue, but improving also in, in many things. You were talking yesterday about the importance of, of the two areas. You're saying that, that Barcelona have controlled games in the middle of the pitch and maybe had it more difficult in the two areas. Was today yeah. the other way around? Yeah, today, <laughs> today was the opposite. We control very well, especially our area, and then we score one goal. We, we create uh, some chances more, but uh, it's, it's very important for us that uh, we, we didn't concede any, any goal today and, uh, and many games, in many games this season, so it's very important for us. Is there a satisfaction in this kind of victory, seeing the performance, particularly of the, the defensive four, but seeing how they can defend in maybe... How do I define this? A more traditional way, a more a more kind of resistant way. Is, is there a satisfaction in that for you as a manager as yes, well? Yes, it's not it's not uh, our perfect game, of course. It's not our uh, best performance, especially in the second half. But sometimes we need to suffer. Uh, we need to suffer. So in the second half we suffer. Uh, we are a family, a big family, and, and we suffer together. So it's it's very important win for us. Is that what you've told the players in the dressing room? Is that your message to them? To that you have yes. to suffer together. Yes, it was like as you said in the beginning, puñetazo en la en la mesa. I don't know in English, but but uh, yes, it's uh, are, are very important three points. Now we are on the top of the table, uh, three points of difference, very important for us. Sid Lowe is with us now. Should mm. we let you tell us about Tatla en, en la Mesa? No, I, I, that's a puñetazo <laughs> en la mesa. Is that, is that clear for everybody? Puñetazo en la mesa. That's right. It's like, we're here. We're not going anywhere, baby. I had it as Tatla en la Mesa, and I was thinking it was a bit more lightly. <laughs> no, it's a puñetazo. Well, there you go, which speaks to the toughness, doesn't it, of Barcelona today, which Stuart Robson talked about earlier, Sidlo, and we asked the panel here, what's the message that Barcelona sent out? So I'm going to put that question to you too. Uh, I, th I think the message was that they could compete. I think the message was to, to use Xavi's own vocabulary there, that they can suffer, that they can find a way through, that they can defend their area if they have to. And it was interesting as well, listening to Christensen after the game, talk about how, look, I would rather it wasn't like this, but at times it can be enjoyable to win a game like this. At times it can be enjoyable to feel like you've demonstrated that you can resist. And so I think that's really important from Barcelona's point of view. And as Ali says, you know, this, I don't know if fist on a desk really works in English, but that's what it was. It was a <laughs> statement. It was a, a way of saying we're not going away. And, and, you know, even on those games when we don't play well, and really and truly they didn't play well for, what, 65 of the 90 minutes tonight, maybe even a little bit more, but they got the job done. And, and that's, that's a huge result from their point of view. Yeah, massive result when it comes to it. So tell us a bit more of the post-match reaction that you picked up there, Sid. We saw you speaking to Xavi. What was the feeling from anyone you spoke to from Atleti or journalists out there covering Atleti today? Well, so we, we spoke, um, the first person we spoke to was, was Jan Black after the game. He was one of the first up the tunnel and, and, and he talked about feeling that Atletico Madrid had done everything except score. But what I thought was most striking about his response was that he said that he felt that he couldn't explain couldn't understand and didn't like the fact that it took them going a goal down to react. And he talked about a lack of confidence, which I thought was really interesting, a really interesting way of, of framing it. Because on the face of it, at least, there isn't a reason for Atletico Madrid not to have confidence. And he talked about them, them being able to step up and to step into the game and not have to wait and to take the game to Barcelona and then perform really well. But his complaint was that they hadn't done that earlier and that he couldn't explain and couldn't understand why they hadn't done that earlier and why that's happened more often. Now, Josema Jiménez 
kind of took the baton on from that and, and analysed it slightly differently. He, he made the same analysis of the game in terms of it being a 25-minute period that it took for them to get going, but then them to change. But he defined it much more in, in, in kind of tactical terms. He said, we thought we could win the game waiting, and then we showed that we could maybe win the game, albeit in the end they didn't do so, by stepping up and attacking. And of course, the question mark then, and this is exactly what we were talking about at halftime, is a little bit what we were even talking about um, kind of before the game, talking about the style that Atletico Madrid have. I suppose the question mark then becomes, what is it that makes you change your mind? Is it only going down? And if so, why? Why do you need to go down to be able to take that step on? Now, Jimenez's argument is, look, Every game is different and next week it will be different and again. And we don't necessarily need to take a, a really clear lesson from tonight. I must admit, I'm not sure I entirely agree with him on that. I think tonight did maybe show them that there are certain things they can do that maybe they need to believe a little bit more in being able to do them. Well, they need to believe it. But more importantly, Diego Simeone needs to believe it. He needs to believe that this team can actually go and press people higher up the field. That the line of confrontation can be on the other side of midfield. That it doesn't have to be 30 yards from your own goal. And that's the part that I think is really frustrating. And, and we were talking about it during the match. Is that they're holding hands with Jan Oblak for the first 25 minutes. That doesn't come because the players want to sit deep. That comes because the manager has asked the team to say, hey, our line of confrontation is going to be here. That is set up before the game. That is set up as you prepare the match and you know full well what the plan is. And so if it takes 25 minutes for you to figure out, you know what, this is not working. And we are not old school Atletico Madrid any longer. We can no longer sit here for 90 minutes because we don't defend nearly as well as we used to. First evidence of that and clearest evidence of that was the goal by Barcelona. And they just allowed Pedri to dribble with the ball. So if you're not going to close down the spaces, if you're not the team that you used to be, Diego, papi, time to get forward. Time to go and take the ball on the other side and see if you can win the ball away from your own goal. Because, oh, by the way, they struggle to create chances. So it's easier to create chances when you win the ball 30 yards from the attacking goal, not 30 yards from your own goal. Diego Simeone. In my opinion, and I love the man, and I love what he has done with Atletico Madrid at this point, and we have asked him to do this time and time again. I don't know that he's capable of doing it because it's not in his DNA. Release these guys. Go and press higher the field. Take chances. Because in most games in La Liga, Atletico Madrid can do that comfortably against most teams that they play. Against Barcelona, against Real Madrid, you want to take a different approach? So be it. It didn't work today, and you were much better when you were willing to press Barcelona higher up the field. Do you know what did work today? Sid Lowe's umbrella. Yay! He has finally replaced his umbrella. He's not got it with him now, but as you can see, he's nice and dry. La Liga gave him a brand new umbrella. So happy 2023. You win today, Sid. We're going to let you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. I should point out at this stage that La Liga have taken it back again. Uh, what? I don't get to take this thing oh home. With it's me, a good sadly. job you brought the no, rubbish one not. with you, then, isn't it? Oh yeah, the rubbish one is now now in my bag, pretty much folded over. So I think it's probably even more broken than it was when I came here this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's kind of a draw then. In the end, he had a backup plan, didn't he? It just wasn't. The he's got he's got to throw away that other umbrella. It's simple. No, he needs it. No, no, now, no, just no, in no, case. no, no. He's gonna get home today. Sid, you're gonna get home today, and this is what I want you to do. Yep. Do it for me. Don't do it for yourself. <laughs> do it for us. Just take it out of your bag and straight into the trash. Simple as that. Deal. 
Right. So when I get home and the family says to me, why are you throwing that umbrella away? I'll say it's because Ali told me to. Correct. Correct. That will be, that'll yeah. be that's, all the, that's, that's all the excuse I need. By the way, it was useful today because I kind of laid it over my lap so it stopped my legs getting wet. So it was, it was highly useful despite only being half an umbrella. Resourceful Sidlow. I'm pretty sure that that was not the design of the umbrella. <laughs> Have a safe journey back to your house, Sid. And just remember what Ali said about the umbrella. These are the Serie A results from today. A very late equaliser for Mourinho's Roma. Tammy Abraham at the death. 2-2 that finish. Napoli bouncing back to winning ways as well. 2-0 over Sampdoria. And that rounds off the action in the Serie A. Juve still just getting it done under Allegri. And you can see how much they're getting it done because they are up there in second now. Obviously, it's a bit of a drop-off behind Napoli. They'll be happy to have bounced back today. Milan could have made it count a bit more today, but obviously that late equaliser for Roma hasn't helped them out and it is Inter up in the top four as well. They were held by Monza. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Derek Ray would be so proud of you, your pronunciations today. I know. Derek Ray. Shout out to Derek as Shout well. Shout out to Derek Ray. Did a great call yesterday. <laughs> now, Megan, he wouldn't have been proud of that. No, no he wouldn't. I, but he can I was being sarcastic. I know you were. <laughs> Listen, I'd usually say Spanish and Italian, but I've even let myself down in that aspect today. Stay with us. It's Let's see how day. worse it it's can get. Day. Extra time is coming up next. Robbo's definitely with us. Ali will be too. <laughs> Welcome into the latest edition of Extra Time. I do wonder if we've got any questions. <laughs> well, <laughs> can you see anything? What? Do you need me to go get the questions? Man, my watch change this, of pace. Watch this pace. What? 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 <laughs> so extra time today. We definitely have Stuart Robson joining us. We were hoping to have Whoa. Philip off, but I'm not sure. Is this a two-page? He earlier. He was very angry oh. about the Chelsea results, as you saw at half-time, and that anger has continued. But, yeah, two pages on one pager. All right. Who's that? Frank is angry? Frank was angry, yeah. Okay. Oh, there's Robbo. There He's probably go. wondering where the yeah, music I'm is I'm too. I'm still here. I'm Hello, still Robbo. Here. We love having you here. Don't tell Derek Ray about my <laughs> pronunciations tonight, please. He wouldn't be happy. Mm. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's heard them already. I've just had a text from him saying, get K off. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's she doing? <laughs> All <Wow>. right. <laughs> hey. hey. <laughs> he went with a quick hook. <laughs> <laughs> he was straight in there, Robbo. We didn't even need to think about yeah, it, I'll tell you what. One mistake. One mistake oh, and Derek Ray, you straight off. Yeah. It is the better the World Cup final get let's go <laughs> to the bench
<laughs> Off you go. <laughs> I better stay anyway. Someone has to read the questions. I'm getting told Frank's coming back in for this oh. one. I'm just waiting one second to see if he is, because if he is, we first question is for him. There's the music. Hey, the music's here. So we've definitely got the music. I'm going to put the first question to Robbo instead, okay? Okay. And then yeah. we'll see what happens with Frank. Okay. For Robbo. Chelsea, if you're in charge of the club, what would you do to get the best finish possible to the season? And what would you do in the summer for next season? Well, when you, I, I don't like sacking managers because it, it's up to the board have appointed him and they've obviously got a, some sort of plan. They gave him the job, so they should stick with him for the rest of the season. Now it's up to the manager to do his part of the, the work. He's got to get, and the, and the medical side, to get their players fit. He's got to get as many players fit as he can. And while they're getting fit, he's got to put out a strong side. He's got to get them playing a system that he likes and the players like. He's got to start getting results and get a bit of consistency with the, with the selection and the results. And then in the next summer, then they can look at rebuilding or buying new players, getting other players out that he doesn't like. But he's got to make sure they get some results fairly soon. Otherwise, he's going to be under a lot of pressure. Robbo, how many more defeats can he afford? Mm. Uh, probably, and Craig said it in the show, if the crowd turn on you and the crowd are beginning to turn on the manager, uh, you're going to be under pressure. And I think he can probably only get away with another couple of defeats in the next two or three games. So he's 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 a manager that needs to get results very, very quickly. Frank has decided to join us. He's already hey. been let off some steam. Very he's calmed yes. down. He's very had a little yes. meditation. It's been session. a tough day for Frank. It's been a tough day for Frank. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Welcome back in, Frank. Well, well, this question was originally for you. If you're in charge of Chelsea, what do you do to get the best finish possible to the season? And what would you do in the summer for next season? Well, to finish the season in a proper way, I think I will, uh, I will, I will draw something on the blackboard and I will say, okay, I want to know who are the players ready to play for me and to play for the colors with the pride that I need them to play with, uh, with the with a, a wire frame of mind and not not just going around and uh, and not doing anything. So I will go for. To go back to the basics, in fact, I will, I will, I will go with the players who want to fight for the club and just want to go, just ready to to uh, to sweat a lot for the club. Then for the next season, we have to work on what's going on with the new players that they bought. You know, Fofana, Bacciali, uh, Bacile, sorry, uh, and some others, and with the young lads and everything to to make sure that we have a, com uh, a good team with a, a competitive team and uh, and see what's going on with Thiago Silva, what's going on with Koulibaly. I want to I go back to the basic. And for me, the basic is to make sure that defensively and in the middle of the park, we are competitive. We still have the problem that the Chelsea has at front that hasn't been resolved for for the past uh, the past three years, I would say. But at least you know they were keeping cliches at the time, which is not the the um, the case right now. So you have to go back to the basics, solve the problem that you have to solve at first, which is defensively, and then try to get the results, you know, offensively. But I will I will uh, try to buy some players that I need in the spine. Hopefully, with the return of Chilwell and Rich James. I think I can have a competitive team. Even the Wi-Fi signal is angry today. Even the Wi-Fi signal. But he's here and that's yeah. what matters. <laughs> Robbo, who's playing at a higher level right now? Rico Lewis or Alejandro Balde? Um, 
I would say Balde. I think he's uh, an exceptional player. I think he's done really well. I mean, he came off late on in the game today, but I think he's a he's a he's a top class player, and he will be for quite some while. So I'm going to go with him at the moment. Are you going to agree hey, with Robbo? When you started reading the question and you said Rico Lewis, and then you said Or Alejandro, I'm like, whoa, wait a second, <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> Ready, baby. Um, a higher level right now, though, should have been the giveaway, right? Yeah, well, no. I, <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kay. I see. I see what you're doing there. Yeah. I could last 10 minutes. I got 10 minutes in me <laughs> of high quality, and then it drops off very quickly. Right. I would say Alejandro Valde. And Alejandro Valde, don't forget, was a player for Spain in this past World Cup. Rico Lewis has done a lot of good things for Manchester City, but he is in the very early stages, whereas Alejandro Valde, while still young, has had already major experiences both with Barcelona and the Spanish national team. The next question, don't get confused here, Frank, because it's a Frank name, but not yours, all right? Okay. Do Frank Dubois and Roberto okay, Martinez, no do, do Frank Dubois and Roberto Martinez have the same agent? Seriously, how did Martinez manage to land the <laughs> Portugal job? This is the question, that's not me saying it. <laughs> Who's that to, Frank or? Oh, that's I, question. I was going to ask Frank, no. yeah. Oh, uh, well, I don't know. No, it's all about, you know, networks in, our, in nowadays and, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, I still like Mr. Martinez. You know, we we used to work together for ESPN. I think he's a very interesting uh, character, and uh, and I just want to wish him good luck. You know, we saw so many coaches, you know, failing uh, um, with uh, with some teams and not being uh, successful, but being successful with other teams. So I wish him the best, and uh, let's see how it works, and, um, and let's see let's see how Frank Dubu does too. <laughs> I was, um, listen, yeah, listen, Robo, I, want, Kate, I want your answer Kate, on this one. Kate, I've ne I, I know Frank fairly well. I've been in a, in a, on a couple of trips with Frank and he doesn't usually sit on the fence. If ever there was an answer that was sitting on the fence and he didn't want to sell the truth, there was it. Oh, he's a nice guy. There, that was it. Show, show him how it's done, Robbo. You answer it. Uh, well, Roberto Martinez, I think, did an okay job at Everton. He did uh, a fairly decent job at Swansea, and he's obviously a very good coach. We, we like working with him at ESPN. But I'm not sure with the Belgium side that he had, he got the best out of them uh, in the big tournaments. And I think maybe a really, really top-class coach would have got Belgium to a final, may have won a, a European championship. And he didn't do that. So I think he's fairly fortunate to get the Portugal job. And he's obviously got a great agent. And, um, and, and that's why he earned so money, much money when he was at ESPN as well. Uh, what? Oh, oh, what? what? <laughs> we'll move on, shall we? But there what? you go, Frank. That's how it's done. Oh, that was an absolute uh, two-footed hey. tackle from Robbo yeah, there. Frank, by the way, Frank, Frank was asked the question. He, he, for, he went with the, uh, well, he's a nice guy. <laughs> oh, <all right>. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what he has to say about the He's next nice one. <laughs> Speaking of national team jobs, for Frank, oh, do you think the French Football Federation giving Deschamps an extension is the right move for him and also the national team? What could that mean for the short-term future of Zidane? Will he try to get back into club management and could Chelsea oh. be a spot in the future? Mm. Okay, so I think... Uh, 
I think it's only fair that Deschamps uh, carries on. Uh, he brought uh, uh, the national team in 2016 to the European Championship final. Then 2018, he won the World Cup. He brought the national team to the final in uh, 2022, uh, 2022, sorry, World Cup, which was unexpected with all the injuries that we had, and created a real, a real character to the to the team and to, into the dressing room. So I, I was very pleased, and I think it's only fair. Uh, it's sad for Zizou because, oh yeah, we all expect to see at some point Zizou getting the national team job, and at one point maybe if he's patient, uh, he's going to get it. And uh, yeah, I think to come to Chelsea, I would be more than pleased, you know, and uh, last time I said, well, you cannot come to, uh, I told him, you cannot come to an English team, you don't speak English, and he said, in English, how do you know? Ah. And I said, wow, I'm impressed. So he does know, he does speak English a little bit, and uh, yeah, of course, you know, who doesn't want to see Zidane at Chelsea? That would be fantastic. Well, the mm. people who are employing for the US men's national team, mm according to reports, mm. would like to see Zinedine Zidane in charge of the US mm. men's national team. Reports that he has been approached but turned it down, Frank. Do you know anything about this? No, I don't. I will have a dinner because we are we have planned a dinner with the national team, you know, like we do every year. We had to postpone it because of the World Cup. So we have a dinner January 23rd. So maybe I will ask the question, but uh, I know one thing for sure. Zinedine Zidane wants to win trophies. So he's only going to pick clubs we can maybe ensure a little bit some big time trophies. I don't know. I won't say that the U.S. national team can do that, but I've doubts well, that within four years the national team <laughs> of, America, of the U.S. can can win the World Cup. I, I, I don't know why Frank hates the Gold Cup, huh? Mm. I know. Yeah. <laughs> what? what is that? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> the, the disrespect. Robo, Listen. Robo, have you heard about the Gold Cup? <laughs> oh, all the time, Frank. You know, it's, it's only you people yeah, in sure. France that don't understand it. The Gold Cup is a, is a great <laughs> tournament. You, you obviously haven't been there. <laughs> And also there's conversation yeah. that the United States uh, may just be invited to play Copa America. However, they're not, they're not winning that, I'm going to tell you that much. They're not winning that. Listen, they do say reach for the moon and at the very least you'll fall among the stars. Okay, well, Copa America is not one of those stars. I mean, for going for Zidane. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I, I, I think you... I mean, you make the approach because you never really know until you ask the question. I mean, he speaks English perfectly. Uh, We've apparently, just because he says, how do you know? Um, regardless, <laughs> I, I'm just, imagine that conversation, by the way, in English between Frank and Zinedine Zidane. Uh, how did that go? My goodness. Look, uh, I think if you're the United States, the obvious candidate would be Jesse Marsh. That's the obvious candidate. And I don't know whether Jesse Mars actually would like to walk away from Leeds. He's in a, in a good position in which I, he may just believe that this is a club that he can continue to grow and develop. I, I, but I think obvious, the obvious choice and the one that most national team fans here in the United States would be uh, focusing on would be Jesse Marsh. Next question. Kay, you're a great better half to Dan. 
That makes it sound like Dad and I are a couple. I assure you we're not. Mm -hmm. uh, can you teach Robbo how to pronounce Manchester, please? He skips the S every time. Oh. I've never noticed this. <laughs> yeah, and Dan always tells me that as well. So I should say Manchester, and I say Manchester. I, I sort of mumble it somehow. And when I say it quickly, I don't oh. quite get it right. But you don't always want to say Manchester, right? Because it's, it's up north. We don't really talk about it seems up north. Oh. But from where I am. Aren't you from up north? I'm, true. I'm a true northerner in every sense of the word, Robbo. Wow. I don't know if that yeah, was well, a, another... Yeah, but I can say Middlesbrough. <laughs> yeah, I can say Middlesbrough. I just can't say yeah. Manchester. All right. He gets a pass. <laughs> he gets a pass. I now, I have a mind question. You, mind you, Kate. Sorry, Ali. Sorry, Ali. Middlesbrough was voted the most boring city oh. in England oh. only two years ago. So that's, that's where Kate comes from. <laughs> wow. Because I'm not there anymore. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Is that a backhander compliment? I'm not, it, I'm not having any of those awful polls as well by people who haven't even mm. been and spent time in the town. Uh, that's my say. Quick question. Who wears a turtleneck better? Stewie or uh. Frank? I'm just saying. I, obviously not today because Frank decided to go with a sexy v-neck, but, <laughs> but usually he's I got the turtleneck, so... I'll tell you who wore it better than me today. That was Pep Guardiola. Did you see that grey jumper he had on today? That was magnificent. True. I'm very envious of that one. You look, you, I'll tell you how I'll decide. You look very handsome, um, Robbo. You look very handsome. Frank, have you got anything oh, nice to you, say Frank. about Middlesbrough, Frank? Oh, here we go. Did I did I have something? What did you say? Can, Do you can have you say anything again nice about to say about the, the northeast of England and Middlesbrough? Anything nice? Uh... Oh, they, they are the best striker in the world. After Alejandro Moreno, uh, Jan uh, uh, Fjortov. Hey. That's a that's mm. a compliment. Don't, don't know that that was about Middlesbrough. It was more no, about... He just, he just thought of anything he knew about Middlesbrough. And that's it. It <laughs> was very limited. Okay. What about Ravinelli? Ravinelli's the hollow deck. Ravinelli. We want to thank you. We want to thank Middlesbrough for giving us, you know, the FA Cup and the League Cup the year after. So thank you very much. Do you know what the right answer was there? We want to thank Middlesbrough for giving us Kay Murray. Yes, Kay Murray. I am thankful every day. You've just oh, got yeah, a true. no goal, Frank. So <laughs> that's double points. The that's double points for Robbo with the polo neck in that yes. competition. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it's a tough, it's okay, a tough okay, day fine. for Frank. Frank it's a tough day done. for Frank. Done. Oh. That's it. I'm going. I'm fuming. I'm more angry than Frank was at halftime of the Chelsea oh, game. Oh, and that's a lot to say. <laughs> Join us tomorrow for more. I'll take you for your text, uh, Kay, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com FC. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 